seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect players at and away from their gaming tables and computers. This is episode 164, and for 164 episodes, I've got my main man, Brian Allen, still with me. How's it going, dude? It is going. We're you know, up on us ever so rapidly. I got snow already out here. Oh my god! So I'm I'm part of that crew. I had to drive in the snow a little bit today. Wasn't bad the, though. The panhandle got some snow, but thankfully we have been spared that so far. Yeah, it's it's a whole different thing, man. When like you get snow down there versus snow up here, because just the terrain, the way people handle it, the vehicles being built for it, like it, it's a different world for sure. But I will say up here, it is still pretty treacherous for people because there are so many like uh, like hills and mountains and stuff like that, that a lot of people do just have like, hey, I got to work from home or whatever, because it's just like steep inclines and stuff to get out of some of the neighborhoods or whatever. But in general, it's actually like it doesn't feel treacherous here, you know, like it does in Texas, like when it with snows down there, because it's also like very icy w- along with the snow. And that sucks for y'all. Like up here, it's usually if it snows, it just snows and I can walk around on it. And it's not the end of the world. But oh, I do have a little bit of other news, though. I don't know. We didn't talk about this, actually. Today, at least temporarily, is officially my last day as a Facebook gaming partner. Um, My contract, I'm letting it lapse. Uh, they did offer me another one, but I didn't. Well, there's really two issues. The first didn't necessarily like the terms of the new contract or whatever, but that's fine. It wasn't anything exceptional one way or the other. It's just nothing I need right now. The other, though, is like with so many things fluctuating at Meta or Facebook right now, there's no nobody even knows who all the proper contacts are for the program and stuff. And like I'm watching other creators and and my my cohorts and my discord go through some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't need that right now. So I'm actually letting that lapse. Now, that's not to say I won't keep posting stuff on my Facebook gaming page. If you follow there, stuff's still going to show up. It's just I won't be doing it according to their rules, which gives me a little bit more freedom. And, you know, I won't be paid for or whatever, but that's fine. I have some other ideas, but I'm not abandoning the page. So I just wanted to put that out there. So if anybody follows me or whatever and they heard that somewhere like it is true, but don't worry if you follow me, their stuff's still going to show up. And before we get to the rest of the show, pay some love to our friends over at Cardsphere. They're good people. They have a cool site. And you can save yourself some money buying magic cards. That's the best part about it, honestly. The fact that you can literally name your price on what you want to buy stuff for and what you want to sell stuff for. And I use them pretty regularly uh, for a little bit of both, actually. Mostly for, for selling some stuff, but I do actually use them to pick up stuff as well. And it doesn't take you all that long to get stuff to mail. They're actually, I saw something recently, too. I believe they said their actual, like, loss mail rate is something like 0.6% or 0.06. Like, it's a very small number. Like, I was really surprised. But yeah, so it's safe. It's active. Like, you should you should check it out. If for no other reason, just because they support us, which is one of your favorite podcasts. Go pay them some love over at Cardsphere.com. And then, if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color Magic. And you can get a shout out just like Mark Fillmore for being a member. So thank you so much. 
And then finally, if you want to get some play mats, some tokens, rock our likenesses on your thing, or even just get some stuff with the Color of Magic logo to show off while you're out and about and support the show, you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right, let's hop into the stuff because we got a few things to talk about this week. All right, this one, this isn't even so much of a soapbox, really, more of a like... Just a thought-provoking topic, but have you seen all the AI artwork that's been going around on social media lately? I have. My kids showed me a a thing they were doing, and I was like, wow, I had no idea it was that AI, I guess, had gone that far far down the rabbit hole. I'm looking around for my robot overlord. Yeah, like, I I feel kind of weird about it. Like, part of me is like, I don't hate that it exists, right? Because there is a world where, like, if I needed, I don't know, for some reason, a cyberpunk version of myself for just a quick thing, okay, a little AI thing can knock that out, right? You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's going to replace full-on artists for me because there's a lot of stuff I need where it's just like, I need this specific thing to put on a t-shirt. I need this specific thing to do a new version of my logo or whatever. And having that back and forth with an actual person to get exactly what you want. I mean, that's part of a process. So I, that part, I'm not too concerned about. But there is the real discussion among the artist community. Well, okay, before I get into that part, it is also a little weird to me that the artwork makes everybody, like it tries to do sexy versions of a lot of people, which not all art of people is sexy. Like there's different styles of art, but they all kind of keep a certain look to them which is interesting. They still get a lot of details wrong. Like I've seen where they've like proportions haven't been quite right on some of the faces or people have had like six or seven fingers on a hand, you know, stuff like that. So there, it's certain some artists do that. I mean, the Pablo Picasso painting doesn't look like the actual human being in any way, shape or form. That is very true. Right. But I haven't seen AI do that style of artwork yet, though. I have heard there's some that you can put, enough detail to also say in the style of somebody and it will try to mimic that. So I don't know, but I haven't seen that going around from the latest stuff. So I don't know if maybe they're not designed that way or not, but it is interesting. Right. But what I was going to starting in on though, is among the artists that I've talked to, one of the concerns right now isn't so much even that it exists because I think the best artists aren't really worried about being replaced or whatever. It's more that it's being trained using the artwork it's finding of theirs online without permission. You know, and I think that's a weird gray area that like, like, honestly, I don't even think you can solve for that because hell, I know I've done it before. Like I just needed a clip of something real quick of, you know, just an image just to put on, like I'm making a funny joke in a YouTube video or something. So I didn't even download it from the site. I just used my snip tool because it was on my screen you know, I clipped out that image off my screen and just used it. I was able to do that in like less than a minute. So if somebody wanted to do that, I don't know how you would even police that. But it's weird. This is kind of like, it kind of comes back to the conversation when people keep saying like, but the Constitution, whatever. Yeah, but the Constitution didn't know that we were going to be clipping people's artwork. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. this, like they cars weren't a thing. 
you know, much less the ability to steal somebody's artwork from literally the other side of the world in a second because I have a weird app that lets me copy any picture or image on my computer screen, right? And as we have discussed, trying to explain technology to to the 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 incredibly old skewing United States Congress is a whole. It's like trying to reprogram your whatever your grandparents, whatever system they used to get their TV. That's what it's. You know. Well, yeah, you know, even the clauses were like one state's government isn't going to be allowed to tax another state's government, and this, yeah. that, and the other. Right? Like we had to figure out, okay, what does that mean in the internet age? You know what I mean? Like that was a conversation we had to have because, like, how how do we deal with that? How do we have to make laws to deal with it? Right. So I think there's a lot of things like this with this whole AI art thing, that's going to probably open up a whole other round of conversations because how do you police this? Like, does somebody who has an AI thing have to show their, their, I don't know, their program that they've put in for its learnings or whatever to show that it's not scraping artwork from websites or like, I have no clue, but it's, it's very interesting and it will affect artists on some level, but it also has a question of like how specialized does artwork get now or, do we start finding new types of art? So like, do we start wanting more obscure styles of art because the regular art becomes too common? You know what I mean? Like, because now you can gop in and do an AI version of yourself as a, I don't know, one of the Tajarians from, from whatever, right? Like you could do that now, (laughs) but if that's a thing everybody can do, is it exciting for me to have that version on my work? Probably not, right? So now do artists have to start coming up with more customized, identifiable individual styles? Like you're saying, like a Picasso, or hell, even like some comic book artist or whatever. There's some you look at and go like, I know, I know exactly who drew that. Yep. You know? I would argue the, the majority of people who get paid really well to do it, you know, instantly, if it's, you know, uh, Jim Lee, Alex Ross, <laughs> But you know what's funny is it's probably easier to AI replicate something like a McFarlane than it is a, I don't know, like a Rob Liefeld with the bad feet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have no idea, though. Like, it's it's an interesting conversation to have. Because, you know, it's, an, it's essentially it's an impression. Yeah. And if you, you know, as, as, as a comedian, when you do an impression, you take one or two things about that person and you just take them to the 10th level, like William Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> randomly. <laughs> you know, it's just like... Well, you know, there's artists like Eric Larson, I think it is, that did some Hulk and he did Savage Dragon and some yeah. of that stuff, where his artwork purposely looks weird. Yep. But like AI wouldn't necessarily replicate that because it doesn't want to make stuff that looks like that. So like does that start to become more popular? And then if it does, does the AI now have to catch up? How many times has somebody in science fiction, I think Will Smith himself says it in iRobot, you know, like, can a robot make write a song? <laughs> can it make a painting? And well, dang it, I guess we're here. Or where robots can do those things. And yeah, I'm a little, I'm more than a little scared. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I. what's I, funny is, I always thought music was going to be the easiest thing for AI to replicate. Right. Auto tune. Yeah. And, and it's the sound of like the beats and the melodies and whatever. And we've already seen over time, like there's certain undertones to like pop music or whatever that 
are in all the popular songs and stuff like that. So like AI could decipher that stuff and, and replicate it. Now, maybe not so much the singing or whatever. That's probably more difficult. But as far as like the rhythms and the music or whatever, I, I could totally see that. But, you know, like it's it's tough. Like at what point is it OK for AI to replicate all types of art? Like, I, you know, since, since we well, since I mentioned auto-tune, one of my favorite auto-tune incidents of all time, which I think, uh, I, I want to say it's Nas or somebody that, that has a song called, like, Death of Auto-Tune, and there's an award show where they literally transitioned from Death of Auto-Tune to Jamie Foxx doing Blame It on the Alcohol, which is one of the most auto-tuned oh, yeah. songs in human history. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And, and the thing is, I don't necessarily have a problem even with auto-tune. I just have a problem with it being overused. Because, honestly, when I see artists that are using auto-tune, I'm like, but what does this add to the song? You know, like, if it's for effect and it makes sense with the song, I get it. But if you're just doing it to do it, I'm like, this just feels weird. Like, why am I even listening to this? And then, uh, oh, crap, what's his name? The guy, he's, he's streaming now. But to find out some of these dudes that do auto-tune actually can really sing and i'm like who why why who covered this up all this time well it's you know it's you try to fit industry trends for example you know just like uh obviously you know if you remember when you know john travolta came out with urban cowboy a lot of people who could sing traditional country music had to start doing urban cowboy type music because they couldn't get airplay singing traditional country music. Yeah, but I would say that like, you know, like T-Pain being a good example, right? He really pushed auto-tune real heavy. And I'm, I'm betting somebody, <laughs> I'm and, sure somebody was in the ear telling him, hey, you know, there's a reason for this. Oh yeah, and people before him, like there had been some auto-tune before or whatever, but like, I think most people that think about T-Pain think about auto-tune. But then we find out years later that this dude had been known to be a singer. Like, I'm like, not only that, he sings really well. And I'm like, you know how much I feel like he'd have made even more money not being auto-tuned. But that being said, he got rich on auto-tune anyway, so it doesn't exactly. matter. It's just, you know, <laughs> once you get a reputation as the auto-tune guy, there, there's going to be pushback anytime you try to do, like, not auto-tune. For example, it, Eddie Murphy obviously can act you know he should have gotten academy award for dream girls but if they're gonna push a truck full of money in front of you you know to make norbit part two uh-oh well why act you know just, just, just go put a rubber suit on and, and do a daddy professor or whatever i can't argue with you <laughs> like i really can't all right that's all i got on this ai thing though what do you got for us Oh wow! The crowd didn't even pop up for that. They just All right. Well, I guess they ain't that mad about this. The crowd doesn't want to hear about what I'm talking about. Oh god! But uh, there are reports that this is one of the, the things we've been following in the industry since you know Microsoft is attempting to put together uh, Activision or uh, Microsoft merge with Activision slash Blizzard. So many companies, and at some point, Disney will probably try to buy the whole thing too. But uh, Reports are that they do want to try to at least a little bit play nicely, and at least for the be the beginning, certainly we'll try to keep Call of Duty on multiple systems. Now, other I think it's probably going to end up being a case by case basis on 
on these various franchises that Microsoft will inevitably end up with. But Call of Duty is, I think, the biggest one. So that's the one people are are most concerned about. And I, I think it's the right move for them to go ahead. It's not just the right move, you know, for gamers and, you know, for just the, the nice thing to do. It's, I think, the long-term most profitable thing to do because, yes, there are a few people, let's say 15, 20% of people that love Call of Duty so much they would buy a whole other console to play it. But there's no way that's the majority. Oh, it's definitely not. That number is probably 15 to 20% of the player base. It's not 100 million. And that, that's probably a high percentage, too. Yeah, that's probably a high estimate. Although, yeah. I, when I think about how many friends I have where Call of Duty is really the only thing they play, that that might be low. <laughs> you know, if it, but, if but even the then, if play, that's the only thing they play, wouldn't they just buy that system to begin with and just ignore the other ones? Well, I'm saying if you if you already have bought because it, it, oh, I got you, you. Yeah. you didn't know Microsoft was going to buy Blizzard when you Fair. first uh, when you first Fair. bought this. Let's for example, this year's Call of Duty. You, you had no idea any of this was going to happen. You know, but like I, it's one of the things I've always said for years. Like, if your game can just be cross-platform compatible, so people can play with each other from other systems, you should probably just do it anyway, and then just dominate that category, and just make it hard for other people. Like, if you want to come in and do military combat first person shooters all right well just know that everybody plays call of duty now you know like i don't know how you compete with that but you you got to make a different type of first person shooter because we got our our foot on the neck of this whole one you know and i just looked it up now the the latest report is that microsoft is going to offer tony tony sony 10 years of call of duty or sharing Call of Duty with them. And that's the thing that they probably, it's not necessarily them being nice. They may have to do it so they don't get hit with some kind of antitrust lawsuit. But even then, like if you give it for 10 years, you can't take it away at that point. Like even if you don't sign another agreement, like your fans are just going to be up in arms after they're used to, if they bought six, seven, eight copies of different Call of Duty games in that time. Yeah. Also, you know, the, the industry may change. Who to say Call of Duty is even still the most popular game 10 years from now? We, we can't say that. That's also true. I, I mean, I don't know why it would fall off at this point, because I assumed it would have a while ago. But I, I mean, maybe, things, you know, maybe it's not. Changed. I mean, yeah. when, when we were when we were my kids age, I would say the primary genre that drove consoles is probably, you know, Final Fantasy style role playing games. And yeah, back then you would have said, oh, nothing will ever get rid of Final Fantasy. But eventually people. Well, that being said, Final Fantasy Online's actually had a resurgence in the last yeah. nine months. <laughs> like, but the you know Final Fantasy VII style is like it's you know I, I don't want to say dead certainly, but it's uh, yeah. It also feels so, that almost feels more like that was driven by Square than anybody else. Yeah, like their whole concept and direction changed, and who knows and, why? And also, we've seen you know I, I think a lot of it was because you know we we started on Nintendo. And Nintendo just, you know, didn't have a lot, large level of tolerance if you had the violence or blood in your game. True. So it really, it was, I think Mortal Kombat was that watershed moment where Sega, if you remember, you know, Mortal yeah. Monday, where Mortal Kombat came out and on Sega, it had blood. And on Nintendo, it had sweat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think Nintendo did realize that, like, hey, we can just make money doing these other things, you know. Yeah. So they just doubled down on like Mario stuff, Animal Crossing, you know, 
And, and when you're Nintendo, you can. <laughs> yeah, and to their credit, they they build licenses. They're not even. I, I I think that's the best way to describe it. They don't just make games; they build licenses that yeah. they can make all kinds of money on, and but it's working. If I had to, you know, jump ahead and guess what might eventually take out Call of Duty, Battle Royal is the thing that I thought was going to be. It's, Fortnite isn't losing anything that resembles Steam. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, fair. That's it's, fair. You know, I, that's a probably possibly obvious replacement. Where, as you've seen, Call of Duty had to go ahead and do its own free battle royal because it I mean, it had no choice. It was going to lose too much of the industry if it didn't do that. Yeah, we're starting to see a few different battle royal games come on the market, so that that's probably a reasonable assumption. Or at least eat up a decent amount of the marketplace, at yeah. the very least. So yeah, I could go for that. Well, well right, knows, I mean, It's that time of the week. So why don't we tell everybody what we learned? Because I think we're going to have some pretty interesting things that people may not know about this week. Yeah. Um, for those of you, you know, that have been a, a regular or longtime listeners, I forget which episode I mentioned it in, but I've had uh, for a while tinnitus in my left ear, which if you don't know, it's kind of just a persistent kind of low level ringing in my left ear and we've been the thing we've been working on with numerous doctors trying to figure out exactly what's going on and turns out that uh there is a a long covid side effect that after you feel like you fully recovered generates tinnitus in specifically in your left ear which is where mine is (laughs) that is so awkward yeah, and, and random, and it's something that even, you know, the last two, uh, like, general practitioner and last two ear doctors I've talked to were not aware of it, because it's, you know, I mean, COVID is a thing that really we're still learning so much about. Yeah, this is what I was saying, and again, not to be like, you know, conspiracy theorist, scare tactic, whatever, but these are kind of some of the things you have to be concerned about, right? Because you oh, yeah. don't know what all the things are, because like... The list- I th- thought I was completely over it. And I, for in terms of, you know, breathing or most other things, I was completely over it. Well, see, I know so many people that have told me all these random effects they have after they got COVID. Yeah. You know, everything from like gum issues to heart issues to, you know, now you're saying like tinnitus in your ear. Like just, it's just wild to think about that something can affect that many parts of you. Yeah. But when something, you know, gets into your circulation. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this I, I was talking about this a while back because I had my a foot issue with, with one of my toes on my right foot. But when I went in to see the doctor about it, you know, the nurse, because I was joking around. I was like, I don't know. You can just tell me it's gout or whatever. I'm good. And she's like, no, it's not gout because gout apparently, well, one, mostly happens in dudes. I don't know why. But then also your left foot. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's just most of the time it's going to be on your left foot. So if you have something on your right foot, it's probably not going to be gout. That is also random. Yeah. I'm like, how do you like, how do we like, it's happened enough that this is a known thing apparently, but like our bodies are weird, man. (laughs) Like, like, but it's such a cool thing now to just be like, well, I know it's not gout. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, that that is wild. (laughs) Or the odds are low enough that it's probably not gout. But yeah, yeah, because so they don't know yet why it's the left ear that it happens in. They don't know why. They kind of just know that, and we're going because obviously the science is still happening as we speak. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with like circulation in your body hitting a, a certain part first than the other part, or like 
But that's just so strange that it's for all the people they're getting, it's in their left ear. Yeah. So, uh, as, as I said, I will, I guess, uh, speak of ongoing stories, yeah, I may. Uh, <laughs> that's a cool random fact, though. I got to admit. Is, though, and hey, you know, for since we <laughs> plug the Patreon again, I'm hoping I don't need any kind of <laughs> experimental <laughs> exactly. medicine or surgery. But in the event I do, I'm going to be coming to you guys again. <laughs> for real. Yeah, so mine isn't as cool as that, but I did find a site, and I and I wish I remembered who who I saw it on, but I saw this on another creator's uh, Twitter thing. But it turns out there's a site called Throne, T H R O N E, just like a throne you sit on. But the cool part about it is, it's basically a site that's created for the safety of creators, so you can still do the like wish list purchase thing or whatever. Because I've asked before, because I've had a couple people just want to do something nice and they're like hey do you have a wish list somewhere that like i could just buy something for you or whatever because you know and that means more to people than just sending you money right like they can just pick a thing they know you need and then like save you the hassle of going to buy it and that's pretty cool it's awesome that people want to do that but there's always a safety concern for people of sharing any personal information to have something mailed to you right even if it's a p.o box people don't necessarily feel great giving that out i mean hell i've heard a story from another creator that I know that she went to her mailbox and actually had somebody follow her from the post office. Fortunately, she realized she was being followed. So she went like the long way around or whatever. And eventually the person quit following her. But the fact that that could even happen to somebody, right? That is, that is so scary. But the cool part about throne is that, well, there's actually two features The from the safety side. The cool part is the viewer or the fan goes on, purchases the thing or effectively sends the money to throne for that amount and then throne just goes through the effort of ordering it and basically sending it to you like you would a gift for somebody since they have your address but nobody else can see your address so they just complete the purchase and send it to you as a gift through that website and it just gets mailed to you and that's actually pretty cool so they basically are just the middleman doing the work and then nobody has to give up any information which is great the other cool part is like, if I want to give somebody a wish, like, say I set up a wish list on Amazon, it can only be things that are available on Amazon, right? Or any other website, for that matter. But with Throne, they just have basically a little add-on you put on your uh, your bookmark bar on your browser. And then if I'm just cruising the internet, I see a cool item, I can just click that. It creates the Throne page for me, and I just approve it, and it just adds it to my wish list. So now if somebody wants to buy something, it doesn't matter what website it's from, as long as I've added it to the Throne list, it can be done. And it's just is a really cool thing. And I don't even know how well known this is. I don't know how many websites there are like this, but I decided to mess around with it, set up an account, you know, personalize it, link it to my stuff. And in less than an hour, I had everything done and I already had items added to my list and everything. Like it was really, really cool and intuitive, very easy to use. They already have a bunch of stuff set up if you want to link it to like your Facebook, your Twitter, your Twitch, whatever. They have all the a- APIs done. I, I was really impressed to even know this site exists. And because honestly, the, the thing is always tough is when you're trying to introduce a new concept, people try to do too much with it. And then eventually people are like, ah, I don't want to mess with this, right? Because you make it too complicated and there's too much to learn or whatever. But this literally, it was about as intuitive as you could have expected it to be, honestly. Okay. Like, it, it's rare to say that about a lot of sites these days, but this was literally like everything was what I thought it was. Like, this is how I load my picture. This is how I link my account. Anything that was even remotely different 
had very simple detailed destruction instructions for you to be able to do it. So like really cool site, but it's just called throne. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I don't, I don't know why it's called that, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad I came across it. It's definitely something I'll be using and recommending to people in the future. Even And honestly, the cool part is, even if you just want to build a wishlist for family or something, right? It's cool to have that because now I'm going to be like, hey, check this out. It's from all these different websites, right? Because the one I gave to my family this year was just I made it easy and just did something on, on Amazon, right? But now that I know about Throne, anytime family's like, hey, what do you need? I'm like, great. You can just have this page and it's got all the stuff I've ever come across. And what I like about it is because it's so easy to build the page, I can just click a button. And by the way, this is hashtag not sponsored. I just really like this thing. But you can just click a button and boom, you don't even have to think about it. So it's not if you're just having a thought that you might want it later, go ahead. And then you can just delete it if you end up not caring about it or whatever. So kind of neat. But anyway, I just figured I would share that. If you hadn't seen it, it's thrown. Totally worth setting up a site. Even if you just want to share, like I said, just list with family or whatever. But very cool. I haven't seen a quality wishlist setup site ever, probably. So this was actually, I won't say mind-blowing, but very surprising for me. But that out of the way, let's get into the news. All right, Brian, I'm sure you've seen all the negativity around these Magic 30 booster packs or whatever. They're 30th anniversary packs, I think is what they're called at this point. Yeah. But it got taken to a new level last week. So they're, okay. First off, Wizards reached out to some other non-Magic creators to do some stuff promoting these 30th anniversary booster packs. And let me say, first off, it's not really that big of a deal. Like Wizards... And every company for that matter. But Wizards has been doing this for a long time. We've had musicians. Yeah. We've had other websites that mostly talk about news or finance or whatever. Get to cover magic. They've sent promo stuff to them. They've had them preview cards. Like we've done all kinds of things, right? So this isn't new. Now, it might have come across people's radar that this is new. But this is a very common tactic with so many different products out in the world. Not even just gaming products. But you just try to find people that are adjacent to your industry or where you're people might have some interest or whatever, so they could draw you extra customers. That's what PR is for. And in this case, it sounds like they tried to find sites that deal in like high-end sports cards or they do fancy high-end product box opening, stuff like that. Yeah, that's actually really a smart move because people that, you know, that, that people that do collectibles and follow, you know, people that open collectibles, they're, they're somebody that's willing to buy a product that they never actually plan to use. They'll buy it to flip it, to open it, to sell it somewhere. So, you know, that's if you're just looking at moving product, that's a smart move. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree. I You know as well as I do. There are hardcore collectors that they, they just want to collect rare things. And if they find out there's this $1,000 set or $250 booster packs that can have potentially $1,000 cards in there, and it's going to be short printed or whatever. This is right up those people's alley, right? So it makes sense. The problem became when some of these creators started getting, I wouldn't say, I was going to say negative comment, but hell, some of them got outright threatened. And that's just uncalled for. And hell, criminal, by the yeah, way. Well, yeah, true. It is criminal. Right. But one of them, I believe he goes by Ruxin34, R-U-X-I-N-34. He's a Yu-Gi-Oh! creator 
that does a lot of box openings. He gets older product from Yu-Gi-Oh! and international products and opens up and shows all the rare stuff or whatever. So it kind of makes sense that this would be somebody yeah. you would send product to, right? But nothing, yeah. nothing oh, out of the ordinary or beyond the pale there. No, like I said makes perfect sense. When I saw it, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that this dude's channel would get some magic stuff, some rare magic stuff to open. But he got so much heat. He, well, one, deleted the other video. And then had to, like, make an apology video. Oh, my God. For, like, not researching enough to understand the negativity around it and blah, blah. And, like, in the future, he's going to vet his his uh, branding partners more. But Which, by the way, you should be vetting your branding partners anyway. That's fine. But the but, fact I mean, that his branding partner would be, I mean, that's Wizards. Wizards didn't do anything wrong. Exactly. That's my. That was my problem. Like... If he looks into them and the product, like unless he just did a search to see like, you know, went on some people's Twitter feeds and stuff, whatever, there's a good chance he still wouldn't have seen the negativity around it. Not to the level that of that, you know what I mean? And I'll, I'll be real about it. We talked about it off the air. If Wizards would have came to us and be like, hey, we're going to send you a thousand dollars worth of boosters and pay all each a couple hundred dollars to talk about it on this week's episode. Cool. Yeah. you know what i mean like i'd have done it am i gonna buy it no do i expect all of you would buy it no because it's a thousand dollar product or whatever two hundred fifty dollars expect that all of you are gonna go to cardsphere we 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 do that because you know we partner with them but for the people that can use it or do want it it's there like we have to chill like you know what really I need that the was it the Garth Brooks from SNL that semi down now. That's what I feel like, man. Like, what are y'all doing to these people? Like they they have done nothing wrong. And again, like if they were doing something morally or ethically wrong, sure. Like, okay, view capitalism how you want, but they gotta pay their bills, right? That's that's a thing. They gotta make money, whatever. But beyond that, just the general capitalistic thing. They're not doing anything wrong. They were literally opening products saying like, hey, Wizard sent me this thing. I figured I'd open it up. It sounds really cool. And then, you know, next thing they know, hours later, they've just got everybody threatening them every which way and telling, calling them every dumb name in the book and talking about how they shouldn't follow them anymore and how they're just a sellout and blah, blah. And it's like, what is going on? Like, you can hate a product. That is fine. Yeah, you're well. You can hate a product, you can hate a company, but uh, your problem is with that company, not with somebody that's making content. And again, even the product, like I don't necessarily like it, but it's not something I look at and go like, "This is," I don't know. Like I, I'm sure, like I don't. I would have to think a thing is extremely morally, ethically wrong for me to have that type of reaction. Companies are in business to make money that's you know wizards of the coast does not make magic cards because they love you and because they think you'll enjoy them they are a business they exist to make a profit and they're going to keep finding the top end of what they can sell paper magic cards for they're going to keep going if they find out you know that you'll pay or that somebody somewhere will pay $10,000 a pack. It is their responsibility to figure out what product gets there. Yeah. That's, I'm with you. I, I think we should see what the top end is. As a company, for anything, I would do it. Yeah. I mean, you should be doing that. Like, 
Now, I get it. All the other stuff, like the messaging around it was bad and trying to make it sound like a 30th celebration thing and it's too expensive for people. I, I get all that. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong for feeling negative about any of that. But on a fundamental level, this really isn't worth that level of negativity. And hell, I mean, if you're threatening somebody, or I'd say you just as I said, threats are criminal, and those hopefully will be handled by the proper authorities. If you go online and and make an actual threat towards somebody, I'm at the criminal act, you deserve to be punished yeah. for that criminal act. If you're, but if you're even, you know, I mean, wh- why are you even bothering this content creator who this is the first, in some cases, the first magic video they've ever made? And if they don't get paid again, it's the last. You're just, <laughs> you're yelling to hear yourself yell. They don't care about you. You don't watch their content. And, and here's the other thing I like, I've heard, and I don't know how true this is, that some other creators have turned down doing some stuff because they were afraid of that type of reaction. That, and that's just, and we should be embarrassed. We should, we absolutely should because I'm sitting here thinking like, so that person had to turn down one, getting a cool product in their possession. That's actually valuable and whatever they would have been paid to produce the content. Because some people are just going to act. And here's here's the silly thing. Your favorite creator's not doing stuff on it doesn't change anything. It's not like this product was going to be printed in the tens of thousands and blah, blah, whatever, right? We already know it's going to be super limited because of the price. So the people who want it are still going to buy it. Like, it's going to sell out. They were just, Wizards trying to just make a big thing about it and show it off and probably check some boxes for corporate or whatever. Like, and paying some creators along the way. And guess what? If you're so angry about it that you're willing to go into some creators' messages or comments or whatever and, and yell at them about it, Wizards doesn't have to care. They don't have to do any effort to you're already in the throng. You're you're like you magic has taken over a large portion of your life. They never again need to make any effort to appeal to you. You've proven you're a fanatic, and they've got you. That's why they're spending money on the customers they don't have who haven't bought the product. To me, the better thing is ignore it, right? If you really yes, if you don't really want it to fail, that's the reaction. Exactly. Like, if you see that thumbnail with your favorite creator saying, like, hey, I'm going to crack some Magic 30th anniversary stuff, and you don't click that video, and they only Maybe, get yeah. 300 views... They won't do it again. Exactly. They're gonna be like, man, that was two, a bad idea. Yeah, right? two content creators right here. If we if we drop something and it gets six views, we don't do that again. Exactly. Right. Like, but you clicking on it, love to do, it and then you're giving them engagement, and then yeah. YouTube's gonna share that with more people because you're watching it and commenting, doing all this other stuff, right? Like, so you're only helping them get more reach by being mad about it. Right, if, if you YouTube just, doesn't care whether you whether it's like thumbs up, thumbs down, they just want interaction. Yep, they want somebody to watch it so they can sell you an ad. Like that's it. And if you're there along with the type of bunch of hateful comments, yeah, they, they got you. You're, yep. you're you're helping the algorithm. That's the funniest thing about all of it. Like people mm-hmm. feel the need to comment on every single person's Twitter feed when they do it, and every single Facebook thread about it, and blah, blah. But the reality is, if you just didn't reply and you just ignore it people wouldn't be talking about it. And 
you wouldn't be giving as much press so people even discover what the product even is. We weren't going to talk about Magic 30 this week. It wasn't on the list. Nope. But then when <laughs> people start getting happened. their lives threatened, yeah, <laughs> like over it, it becomes a thing we should probably talk about. But again, I don't care about the product. I really don't. I don't care if I ever own any. I I didn't hop on this week and try to buy any when it went on sale. Like, it's fine. I mean, they're going to make me buy some just to, to tick some people off. That's how it's just... I mean, you know I what, though? About... Being real about it, low-hanging fruit, right? Yeah. If I just want to get some views, I can probably get my hands on some, open it up, sing the praises of it, knowing I don't give a damn about it, and get a bunch of people to come watch a video and interact. Real talk. I mean, like... And I am... Reality, we're going to go through this holiday season, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. Festivus. Yeah, Festivus, Solstice, right? Like, by the time we get to New Year's, the only people that are going to be talking about this are people that need easy engagement. No one else is going to be talking about it. Hell, we already have other products we're going to talk about. Like nobody's gonna care about this. Yeah, well, as as we've discussed, wizards go keep cranking out the product. Yeah, We're, spoiler season is eternal. But that's the thing, right? So now you not only are you still commenting if you're one of these angry people every time this pops up, you're really just giving engagement to the people who are just scraping by for easy engagement. So you're not really achieving anything good by just going out and commenting on it. Just straight up ignore it. If you don't want a product to get reach, you don't want people to know about it, you don't want it to be successful, make their promotions not work by not interacting with them. That's literally it. But every time you comment on a thing, every time you share a video, every time you click one of those things that pops up, you are increasing the odds that somebody else is going to find out about the product. You're going to make somebody more money because you interacted with a thing. Because that's what I, I mean. Seriously, the stuff I don't like and the stuff I don't care about, when it shows up in an ad on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I just scroll right past it. I see somebody starting a conversation about a thing. Unless I have real input to involve in, include, I just ignore it. Because otherwise, I'd have been commenting on every single damn Magic 30 thing from this past week. And I must have seen like 15 of them. I don't even think I left a comment on one. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, we just we just got to get our act together, man. For real. Just simmer down now. Like, just pump the brakes. Don't hit send, as, as yeah. what's his name, you know, <laughs> as Coach Harm Edwards would tell us. Don't hit send. Right. Like, it's not necessary. Seriously. All right, let's move on. All right, Brian, I got to I got to admit, I got I got to confess to everybody today. Oh, boy. I got petty last week. Not you, you not taking that personally again, Michael Jordan. Not yeah, exactly. Not not terribly petty, but it was petty enough. But I, okay, <laughs> define petty enough, my friend. I'll say okay. So I'm I'm playing arena, and I'm in a situation where and I and I shared this on socials. I put it up as a short, and it's in an actual video, so people saw it. So I'm on record, but the person attacks. I can only make one block and not die, assuming they have a certain card in hand, right? But I still have the game in hand the next turn regardless. So I make the block, the opponent kills my creature and gives me the oops. Like, I didn't know my creature was going to die or whatever, right? Not realizing that had I not blocked, I'm dead anyway. So it's like, it's the only play to make. But because I knew I had the game one next turn anyway, 
I cast my spells, I make my attack, and I give the oops emote back. And I comment on it in my video. But then it got me wondering, like, one, was I the bad guy for that? As it turns out, I only had one person even remotely say that I was even close to being a bad guy. Everybody else was like, nah, that person deserved it. So... Plus, you're making cut. You, you, you don't do that. I was probably if nobody's watching you. No, nah, probably not. There. Probably not. Being real, like you know, petty approved. It, it has a purpose, but it did get me back into the conversation about you know communication and games as a whole, because one of the reasons, and I've t- I've told you before, one of the reasons I don't play League of Legends is just because too much negativity in there. Like, and I'm not even like emotionally affected by it like i just don't want to deal with it so i just quit playing you know magic online same thing like the chat function like i I, it's tough because there's a strategic advantage of leaving the chat function open because i can sometimes see how frustrated my opponent is or whatever because they're just typing away in there but the other part of it is you also have to deal with all the dumb comments rolling through during the course of a game or so to where i just don't even want to mess with it but there's other games, you know, like you play Overwatch, like it makes a lot of sense to be able to communicate with your team. Yeah. So, uh, for example, uh, Apex Legends has kind of what, what I would call like the industry standards, you know, a Arkham Asylum kind of everybody stole it, where it's a ping system where you, you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just push buttons like, hey, there's a gun here. It'll tell you what type of gun it is. Hey, there's ammo for this gun here. And you can, you can do so much in, just in the way of in game communication without ever being in chat, which is why a bunch of people, I think, including Overwatch 2, have kind of picked up on that system. See, I feel like every game chat, but, like, be very specific with what they are. Like you're saying, like, here is, like, hey, there's a gun here. Or, like, hey, I need backup. Or whatever, right? That sort of thing, right? That's a very specific thing you're calling out. But the problem is, when you do stuff like emotes on Hearthstone or Arena or whatever... It's like, you know, somebody's just going to use them negatively. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you're never going to. A certain amount of the population will be jerks, especially when, you know, they don't actually have to look you in the face. Yeah. Hell, you can't even have a GG emote in games anymore. Exactly. <laughs> like we've we're already past that. Like, and that yeah. should be one of the most passive things. But yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at now. I think you have to be in a world where. One, I don't know that you need full-on communication, but some games are better with it. Yeah, and I and I think that's the hard line to decide. Right? Well, I because, think especially any kind of team game, you know, provided yeah, exactly. your teammates are not complete and total, you know, just dregs of humanity. Any team game, you, you need that. The team that communicates, unless there's a huge skill gap somewhere, the team yeah. that communicates better is going to win if it's a team-based game. Yeah, I assume, unless you're like, a team that just plays all the time together and you have tons of familiarity. Like you, you that yeah. communication's just gonna be too good. So there was one incident where yeah, I did find a team on Overwatch where we didn't really talk, we weren't in chat, and we won probably nine or ten games in a row. And I mean, nobody I, I felt bad. Nobody even friended anybody. Like, please, I wanna this is great. I wanna play and no, just nobody cared to do Man, that. Just, like that's how you know that team was good that y'all even kept queuing together. Right. Without talking. But everybody's like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> so, again, I was upset when nobody wanted to queue anymore because I have not had – it's been rare when I've had streaks like that since then. But, you know, that kind of brings up another thing, too. Like, I'm really bad about friending people in games. Like, and I think it's somewhat connected to my thing of not wanting to communicate with people in games. Oh, wow. That's, that is interesting. 
Because I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't, to be honest, I friend people in arena if I'm doing like streaming and I'm like, you know, I'm going to challenge viewers yeah. or whatever, because that's kind of part of the whole thing. But after that, I just delete everybody out of my friends list. I'll tell you, if somebody is, you know, if somebody is good at the game, in the specific, like, especially for Overwatch, if they're good mercy support, yeah, they, they get in the friend request. Because <laughs> it's just, as I've discussed out here before, it is really hard to get people to even want to play support because it's such a thankless job. And Overwatch 2 has made it even worse for reasons I discussed uh, two or three podcasts ago. That's interesting, man. Because, I, I, man, I'm thinking about all kinds. Okay. When I was playing City of Heroes, well, I guess eventually became champions online. Like, I did actually friend people in that because it was good to have, like, a regular group. You get online. You know, you have 15, yeah. 20 people friended. You can get together and do missions and stuff. And it was like a role-playing MMO-style thing. So, like, maybe that's a different scenario because you are cultivating a group. And everybody does need to work with each other to complete the missions or whatever. So now, then, on the same token, if somebody is, you know, a jerk face, yeah, Overwatch lets you block, I believe, three people where you won't be matching them for a week. And yeah, I always use my full three if somebody's been racist, stupid, otherwise. Damn, they limit you to three? <laughs> well, yeah, because the thing is, you know, Overwatch is, and they do a reasonably good job of this. It's like, let's say your platinum rank, you that they try to match you against other platinums within let's yeah. say uh, you know uh, two or three hundred sr but if you if you block let's say 10 or 15 people you'll just never find a match because you, I, you that's a good point this in league of legends you're every time you have a match you're queued with kind of the yeah. same people that night because the same people are on and obviously like i'm in you know a certain geographical area it's going to pull people from the the south southern united states area else we're all going to start having ping problems so you you know there are limitations to what you can do that's fair that's fair yeah it's interesting i found three is usually enough okay i hadn't i didn't know there was a a three block limit though that's interesting you know i I, now i haven't tested it in two that it may it may have changed i know for overwatch one there was three people you could say yeah i don't want to play with these people okay because a just, couple of the people who, you know, have appeared on my YouTube channel as racist and uh, jerk faces, they queue together. So I've discovered if I block one, I block both of them. So that's a, a, a hack I've learned. That's also interesting. Because, you know, now I'm going to guess they don't probably have very many friends besides each other. And if they and if somebody is their friend, then, yeah, they're also more than likely racist, sexist, all the ists. So just blocking one of them. <laughs> made my feed now, see, so much cleaner. That brings up a good thing, right? That could be a good use of AI as well, right? To do the connection of like, hey, if these people play together a lot or they're friended or they're in the same groups or whatever, then we probably don't want to pair that person with this other group or person who's blocked them previously, right? That That's actually kind of neat. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think we're still trying to figure out communication in games. And it's, it's kind of sad that we're at the level we're at. But I, I think you're right. I think the best solution is if you want to have nonverbal communication, just come up with very specific actions or emotes that people can have. Because I think when you leave it open-ended, you're just going to leave it open for more people to just harass other folks more than anything else. But all right. Or, about, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, you have a, just a... 
if you're able to, to cultivate that group of, you know, two or three friends and maybe if they're not on, you know, sometimes you just don't play. I know I've done that. Before. I have definitely been in that position before where if my regulars weren't on, like I have to decide how bad I want to gamble that night. Right. <laughs> some days is good. Some days is not. It's like any game. Like, let's say pick up basketball. You might have hey, a couple of people. Where, yeah. We like, I like I run with this crew. Yep. That happens quite a lot. So an interesting thing popped up on Magic's Secret Lair account on Twitter this week. They had an image which looked like a shadowed out Optimus Prime. And you can kind of tell if you looked at the artwork further down, the way the light was shining on the picture, you could see the colors and the front of his his truck face. You, you're pretty sure that's Optimus Prime. But all it said was, all will be one, W-O-N. And then it had the date, 12-5-22. And that's it. And it kind of got everybody wondering, what does this even mean? Because, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of ways this could go. Like, this could either be brand new Transformers that we're going to put into a secret layer. Maybe new original cards, because we know we do that with secret layers sometimes now. It could just be some of the Transformers we just had show up in the booster packs, but maybe we're getting special artist renditions of them. Does the phrase even mean anything? Because that's technically the same phrase they're using for the next uh, Phyrexian set, but it's all will be one O-N-E versus W-O-N. So maybe, but they've done a play I mean, on words. Obviously an Optimus Prime reference because that's, you know, one of his catchphrases. Yeah, and they, they've done different things like that where they've done a play on words with like a secret layer connected to something else or whatever. So that's not that odd. But it is kind of peculiar, one, on what it could even be, specifically. But more importantly, the timing. Because having a secret layer come out on the 5th is a little weird, because it's already not like not everybody even knows about some of the secret layers when they hit. But this is going to be in the middle of a holiday season where people are already way distracted, already spending money on everything else. So I'm not sure how popular this release is going to be, because you're talking about it's going to be closed, I'm assuming, at or before or around maybe New Year's. So people aren't even going to really have time to talk with each other about it, realistically. So I, I don't know what to make out of this. This feels so weird. But part of me also feels like maybe I should buy this one because it might be the one that gets under-purchased. So it ended up being one of the more expensive secret layers down the road. So I, I don't know, man. Like, what... I, I will say this. The ad at least worked, right? Because I saw it and at least yeah. got me thinking. But I don't know what that means for the product itself. And actually, here's a question. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that just hit my brain. What if this is just, all right, we're going to go ahead and pad the Q4 numbers a little bit for Hasbro. Because think about it, right? Like, this could be a thing that they already had some versions of these done. Because it doesn't for a secret layer, it doesn't have to be a lot, right? It could be like five yeah. cards. So these might just be other designs already had done. Maybe they had artwork done for them. They didn't get approved or get through the final step for some reason, or maybe didn't pass play test for some reason. You gave yourself another few months to work on it. And now you're like, well, if we put this up as a secret layer, maybe some Transformer fans buy it or whatever. We make, I don't know, let's say another... 
hundred thousand or whatever, and we just we just pad the numbers a little bit in Q four. Like maybe. Like you know what I mean? That's not that conspiracy theory. Like that feels like that is viable. Conspiracy theory at all? Yeah, maybe that's obviously some kind of Transformers product. Yeah, so like maybe maybe that's what it is. Like I don't know because I like I said the timing just feels really weird. I but I guess now that I think about it, we have had a December release magic thing for the last few years. Because even before, like we had what were they called the uh, the the commander color collection or whatever it was. Cause we had like a green one and I think it was like maybe a black one or something, or maybe it was a red one. I don't remember, but we had a couple that came out. So like those were a thing that came out late in the year. I know for a while we did some special uh, promos for retailers that if you went and bought a booster box from a local store, you get like whatever the promo card was or a promo pack or something. So they've seemed to have had some promotion to pump numbers in December, which yeah, is fine. Like, it's business. But yeah, it was just kind of a weird ad to see pop up in the middle of everything going on. And it was like, what? A secret layer? What's this about? Because most secret layers don't get that type of promotion until it's already about to launch or something. But then this one was a full two weeks out, I guess, where we saw it. And, and like, most of them aren't attached to Transformers. So yeah. This is a, somebody, is, somebody figures like, yeah, it'll do or has the potential to do a bigger number. Yeah, we'll see. It's the kind of thing, you know, that people who don't play Magic will buy, which is, I think, what they're going for with some of these. Yeah, well, I, funny as it is, I have a significant other that collects a specific Transformer, so I'm actually trying to acquire some of these so we can have them on display with her other stuff. So, I, I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't want them. So, you know, there there is a market for this stuff, and this is doing exactly what it's intended to do. But all right, let's talk about an actual positive thing about Twitch this week. So earlier, before going live, I saw that Twitch announced they have a new thing called Shield Mode, which looks like it might be a real deterrent for people getting harassed in real time. And it looks easy to use. It looks customizable. And... It's literally a thing that helps creators and their audiences. And far as I can tell, doesn't make Twitch any extra money. Just quality of life. I don't even have anything bad to say about it, dude. Right? I think this is... Obviously, you know, when you're going against hackers, bots, bad actors, it's it's a chess match. So, I mean, it'll be, it'll be their move. But I think this is... A, a, this is going to stop a lot of people. Because, you know, not everybody that tries to do hate raids is some kind of master computer hacker so a lot of people just it'll be too much work for them they'll they'll move on to to other stupid activities yeah and now for those of you who don't know like shield mode is actually pretty cool the idea is it can well one it can bulk ban people for using a certain word in your chat so in our case let's say people rolled in and busted out the n-word like you can literally just hit the button nix all those people all at one time the other thing it'll do when you do that is it'll also create basically a block so first-time chatters don't get to say anything in your chat. So, which, if they're bad actors making the rounds, they would likely be first-time chatters to your chat. So it turns all that off, which is great. So it's just like a cool feature that says, okay, get rid of those people, don't let any more of their people do anything. Now, yes, there will be a few regulars or new people that have been watching you that may not have chatted that want to say something. They'll get locked out temporarily, but that's fine. You're not doing any harm to them. They don't get banned from your channel. So that's good. And then they also have 
I guess, the option to just hit slash shield and you can input a whole mode that puts a bunch of features up, which is cool. And I think that's really neat, too, to have it on a simple command because you don't have to worry about scrambling if you don't have your mods available or they're distracted. Like, it's a very easy thing for everybody to do. And because that's always been the big thing for me. It's like, it's cool to have features, but if they're complicated or convoluted in some way, that sucks. So this is really cool to have it on just like quick command. Anybody can do it. Like, seriously, I'm looking at this going like, man, I, I don't see anything bad about this. Yeah, I, this sounds excellent. It's, you know, what we were hoping there. It's, you know, what we what we figured a, a thing owned by a tech company should be able to do. Yeah, I mean, you can effectively stop a harassment attack with one click. I mean, that that's something. Right. Like, and the beauty about this whole thing is it's very simple. I think that's what I like about it. It's not like, okay, I got to click this thing. I have to report somebody. I got to do all that. Like one command handles like six things. And that's so good. So, you know, credit. I, all I can do is just, you know, give them the golf clap. <laughs> like credit to them, man. Like, because, say, you know, we will, you know, tear you a new one when you screwed up. But when you do something right, and this is one where it's hard to find fault with this. And the best I'm sure there will be, you know, the, the, it's it's a computer related thing. There will be glitches in the system from time to time. But this seems like at least how it's being described right now, if everything works or the majority of it works the way it's supposed to, like you said, golf claps. Yeah, and Bravo. to their Bravo. credit, they've even said at the beginning, you know, you'll still have to, even though you ban the people or block them, you still will have to report them. But they already are aware of that, and they're already working on that for future versions of it, where it would even auto-report those people to get banned. So, like, not only did they make a cool thing, not only is it easy on-off, and, and by the way, when you turn it off, everything goes back to the way you had it before. So you don't even have to worry about, like, did certain things get changed or not get changed back wherever that's built into the command. So they're aware of all that. They made it easy to use and even had the awareness to say like, Hey, we want to make this even better for you in the future. And we realize this is going to be one of the pain points. We're already working on it. Like I, that's about as good of a thing as we've probably seen Twitch launch in the last like three, four years. So yeah, credit to them. Yeah, I would have to have to say I, we, I can care. Yeah. I love it. But all right. That brings us to the dinner table. And this is kind of one of those questions that comes up periodically, but usually comes up when there's a knucklehead in your bunch. <laughs> but basically the question is, what do we think, or actually, do we think it's good or bad for male presenting people, we'll say, to play women or femmes in their games, whether that be representing those characters on a board game, playing them in role-playing games, choosing those character skins in a, in a first-person shooter, or maybe even cosplaying as them. Because my general stance is, I think anytime you're going to play the role of somebody you are not, whether that's gender, looks, race, whatever, just be cognizant of what you're putting your foot in. Definitely. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Because if I, let's say I decide I want to play a character that's of Asian descent, 
you know, Japanese descent or something. And my first thought is to go straight to all the tropes. That's probably a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, you probably don't want to do that, right? Like, if my idea is like, I'm going to play a woman, and then the background is, well, she's super sultry, and she always wants to sleep with people of power and money, and eh, that's probably not where you want to go with that. You know, it's, it's probably a bad thought. But if you just like, hey, I want to explore just like playing this different type of character for these reasons, right? But you're aware of how if you're actively making the game better. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to allow it. Yeah. If you're making everybody uncomfortable or if it's for just for it just isn't working, that's totally different. Yeah. And, you know, I've even seen different takes on, you know, people who want to play women in games. And I've seen like dudes get mad when they find out the woman isn't actually a woman. It's like a dude behind it where I'm like, well, if they enjoy playing that type of character and the skin happens to be feminine, man right it's not their fault that you're a horned dog and then there wasn't a woman on the exactly. user end that's, of it you, know, you want to be thirsty that's you know don't be don't, don't be putting your issues on some i've also seen situations like in games you know where 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 you can gift people where uh somebody will be pretending to be a girl and getting somebody will get somebody to buy them all the weapons the armor or whatever and again to me if somebody wants to be so thirsty that they're spending thousand dollars on somebody they've never even met that's that's between you and them as far as i'm concerned yeah man i have to I, you said that and i thought okay let's say i was playing a game and i'm playing a, a a feminine skin character and somebody's like hey how about i buy you this thing and i'm like oh that's nice of you whatever right but then mm. i realize they're doing it just because they think i'm a woman i don't know how i, I like i, I <laughs> that, that man that puts me in a moral spot because i'm like i mean part of me is just like i sort of want to let this dude just get his comeuppance and keep buying me stuff but the other part of me is like uh i feel like i should say something to this dude <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Put, put this in the real world if somebody just started sending you a bunch of actual money because in their head they, they thought you were a woman you're gonna start sending the money back now you're probably not Again, I, 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 man. Yeah, actually, you might. I might. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I, I'll leave. I don't know if I'm sending it back, but I might at least let you know what's going on. And then if you're still sweet on me and you're like, yeah, whatever, you're still cool. I have some money. Then, all right, cool. I'll keep taking your money. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, right? Because even, even in cosplay, that's always been a thing, right? Should people cosplay outside of their gender or race or whatever? Like, that comes up a couple times a year. And honestly, again, unless you're doing like blackface or something, yeah. I, like yeah. I don't really have a problem with it because like, let's say like I played Street Fighter. I played Chun-Li a lot. Like if I want to do a Chun-Li tribute costume, maybe I do one, but I'm wearing like the same color and filigree or whatever, but I'm wearing pants. But if I just decide I want to dress up like Chun-Li and wear a dress or a skirt or whatever, then like, whatever. <laughs> like, like. Okay, what does that really well, do to anybody? Put it out there. I mean, well, that's true. Now I'm pro- that'll probably be, I don't know. I, I don't want to put my foot. I was about to say, well, when I reach a hundred thousand subscribers, because you know? <laughs> then or people like Lee, if you don't want to put your thighs out there, yeah, people would ever be. Remember that one time you said if you got a hundred thousand subscribers, <laughs> I was like, ah, here we go. But but really, I like it's not really bothering anybody. Like so, I don't have an issue with that at all. And, you know, we see women dress up as dudes and whatever. And, like, that's that's no problem. I've never had an issue with that. 
because fans are fans, right? People exactly. can like a thing for different reasons. Again, as long as you're not trying to turn it into something terrible. Yeah, your favorite character is your favorite character. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. I don't have an issue with it. But I'm I'm with you. I think what you said is right. As long as you're actively making the game, the community, that product better, I think it's fine. But I think if you're doing it with the strict purpose of manipulating somebody, making somebody uncomfortable, whatever, then it's probably not worth doing. Because it's only going to get negative feedback and it's not worth it. All right, Brian. Why don't everybody they can find you on socials? All right. I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. Oh, and I also write a bunch of stuff over at TiltMagazine.com. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And honestly, I'm doing a bunch of stuff on the YouTubes, but been doing a lot of stuff with Wizards, putting stuff on their channels. I have some other projects coming out. And uh, I just got some sweet glasses in, uh, definitely sponsored by Payne Glasses, but I got some gruel colored glasses that I'm pretty excited about that y'all will be seeing soon. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family. Get your flu shots and all that mess. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under color of magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 